Through every generation of the human race, there has been constant war, a war with fear. Those who have the courage to conquer it are made free, and those who are conquered by it are made to suffer until they have the courage to defeat it or death takes them. Alexander the Great. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. I'm Jeremiah Sullivan. I'm your host. And if you're new, this is a podcast to help you win. It's a podcast that's going to help you with your leadership. It's a podcast that's going to help you with your overall performance, with your mindset, with your goals, your rituals, your routines, and overall winning, like I said. So that's what you're here for, strategies and tactics to succeed and absolutely dominate. Um, I have a special episode today. Uh, a really great one, and that's because uh, recently I competed in a cage fight, and you know I believe in sharing experiences and lessons that come firsthand. I don't necessarily believe with only teaching theory and concepts from others, and so you know I've decided to take my most recent fight from this weekend and share those lessons learned, kind of go into detail on it, so that you can pull something from that and succeed yourself. Okay, so that's what you're here for. And I ask that whether you're new or whether you've been around for the, on listening to the podcast for a while, that if you find value in this episode, hey, share it with somebody. You know, don't keep these strategies and tactics to yourself, especially if you, if you do get value from it. If you laugh, if you learn, or if you're just simply entertained, share it with a friend. That helps us grow the podcast organically. And when I say us, it isn't just me here. This isn't just a solo podcast. I am uh, joined by the Podfather himself, aka the Master Podcaster, aka Mister Consistency, the Justin Phillips. What's up, Justin? Jeremiah, I'm very pleasantly surprised that you actually put your headphones on today. I was not, I was not <laughs> expecting you to do that, and I wasn't, I wasn't going to bother you after seeing that. At least one of your ears. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There you got to both of them at this point. I know one of them's jacked up. I mean, the guy, everyone listening can't see me right now. How do I look? I actually don't look too bad from a fight. Uh, literally two days ago. You don't, I actually can't tell. I wouldn't know. Like if I didn't know, I wouldn't be able to tell your lighting in your room helps you out. You've got shadows on your shiner, which cancels out. Yeah. I got one little shiner. Um, I did get cut in the top of the head. I have a little bit of a bruise in the side of my head. And then, uh, that's really about it. I have, let's see what else, a little bit of a strain in my shoulder from throwing some punches. And then my right arm, my tricep is actually the sorest part on my body. I think it's because the opponent that I had, he attempted an arm bar on this, this arm. I think that's what it's from. So, but you know, we're going to get into all that today. We're going to get into, to the fight. It was a, it was a great time. And I just want to re you know, re reiterate that if you are, if you know, a listener and you're brand new that, you know, I do try to package up my personal experiences, put it into this podcast so that others can succeed and win. Um, Justin's role here is to ask insightful questions. Um, and honestly, you know, because I have a military background, it's to take that military <laughs> jargon and have it make sense to the average regular human being that wasn't, uh, you know, raised in a military bubble their whole life, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't so. know how I got that job, by the way, because I don't understand the military jargon either, but... Yeah, I try. I try to be a well, good translator. Well, you're uh, an autodidact, man. You just you just um, love to learn. That's a good I word, do. by the way, huh? 
Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm, I, I just learned right there because you said that. Yeah. Well, hey, um, let's dive in today. You know, Justin, I want to hear a little bit how you're doing. And then guys, gals, you know, we're going to pull out practical, actionable stuff for you to implement tactics and strategies for you to bring into your own world and improve your personal leadership and performance. So pay attention, take notes. And I'm excited to share how this weekend's fight went and um, and really pull that apart, Justin. But uh, how, how is everything going on your side? And then let's talk about the fight. I'm excited to make this the best episode that we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> how are things on my side? Things on my side are okay, I would say. I am snowed in again as I am every other week, and I can't do anything but sit in my house and find stuff to do with myself, which is usually a good thing because it makes me do stuff. Makes you productive, right? So, you know, it makes me a little uh, more productive, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a, a like that's kind of a double edged sword when you're trapped in a house and you can work from home. You're like sitting on the couch, like you want to relax and not do anything, and they're like, ah, let me just go check my computer. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're like clicking emails. Now you're responding, and then you're in work mode. And you're like, oh shit, I guess yeah, I'm right. not feeling anymore. I'm in full work mode. Yeah, um, that's weird. Cool. So no, really, no updates there. I know you're back in school, finishing out, graduating this year. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see you check that block. Yeah, I'm excited right. to check that block too. It's going to come and hit me eventually. I think I'm still just kind of in coast mode yeah. with that. But Any weird emotions about finishing school? Not really. No. Just just still felt like it was fast. I always my, my weirdest emotion with school was that like I dropped out of school my freshman year of mm -hmm. college and the only thing i ever thought back then when i was dropping out was that like and i went back a year later was like oh i'm gonna get to junior year and i'm gonna be kicking myself because i could be finishing and you know i'm gonna be a year behind and all this stuff and like the opposite is true like i still feel like i should have a lot more time left and i just don't well dude i'm really proud because you know there is no success without failure and you know you you did elect to to, to drop out of school and then come back and you, some people could see that as a failure, but you know, I don't see that as a failure. I see it as part of the process, man. And yep. I think too many people are scared to fail and they, they just don't do anything. And I think that, you know, my fight's probably an example of, yeah. of, of that, right? Like, I think a lot of people probably have ambitions to do some goal like mixed martial arts, but they don't because they're scared, scared of failing. Um, so I applaud you for confronting that fear, man, and pushing forward. Yeah. I like that point. Let's talk about that. I want to talk about that with your fight, actually, about this fear of failure and how that's paralyzing to people. Yeah, let's, we can get into it, and I'll just recap, summarize the event, and then we can talk about the fear of failure. So um, if you guys haven't been following along with my, my journey in fitness, um, the big thing that I've been working on is mixed martial arts. Uh, I've been working on that very, very obsessively over the last 13 plus months. And that came to a culminating event this last weekend on Saturday where I competed in a cage fight. Okay. It was my first cage fight since starting up training and I ended up winning the fight. Grappling and mixed martial arts was a new discipline for me. I have a military background. I built myself into a military style athlete. So transitioning, changing chapters and going this field, uh, going this direction, there was a lot of adversity. There was a lot of concern, right? Because it's a new area. There's a lot of unknowns, but I wanted to pressure. I wanted to push myself. I want to test myself. And additionally, I wanted to do this fight 
to set an example for the members inside of Conquer Academy, you know, um, and if you're not familiar with Conquer Academy, it's a coaching company um, founded by me, ran by, coached by me. And um, we have some incredible members in there from business owners, to entrepreneurs, to military, to f- current military, to former military, to nine to five or not nine to five, excuse me, correction, corporate professionals, because none of them work nine to five. These guys are hard workers. So we have a large community in there of people that are striving to win. And it was important for me to not just share the military uh, lessons that I've accumulated over my life, but to do something new and show them by example what it takes to succeed and win and confront things like fear of failure, you know, nervousness, injuries along the way, obstacles, adversity, challenges, right? And to share those lessons to hope and hopefully inspire somebody. And I, I think that the fight did do exactly that. I think it inspired a lot. You know, I got a lot of afterwards i looked down at my cell phone i had like 60 text messages i had 30 to 40 dms on instagram (laughs) i had whatsapp had 70 messages inside of it it was it was it was phenomenal man to see that much support pulling through for something that um i feel like we did as a team and so it was a really it was a highlight event for me um and i did i walked away with the victory i walked away with the win but the first thing that you mentioned justin was you know stepping into that fight was there the concern for failure, right? Is that kind of what you were asking leading to that? Yeah. Yeah. Also, actually, before we get into that too, you just hit on some of this, but can you give people a clearer picture of what your background specifically is? I, I feel like a lot of people know the baseline, like he was an army ranger and now he's fighting. And those two things don't seem entirely distinct from each other. And I don't think people realize that MMA is new to you. Like you're doing this because it's challenging, because it's a little bit scary and because you didn't train hand to hand combat or anything like that when you're in the military. Yeah. Not, not, a, not for a career, not for this, not yeah. for something like this. Right. So when I was in the military, yeah. Well, once over, I, uh, I came in the military, you know, a really long time ago. I went to Iraq in 2006. Uh, I was enlisted and then I switched gears and I became, um, an infantry officer. And then I made my way into special operations did some really awesome, phenomenal work there. Earned one of the top positions in the 75th Ranger Regiment. At the point in time, when I when I went overseas as a Ranger PL, there was only two positions available, two strike force platoon leader spots available in the entire regiment and in the entire army. And I was the strike force one platoon leader. So it was a lot like winning the lottery. And I've taken those lessons and that achievement, and I've, I've shared them in, in Conquer Academy, everything from leadership to performance to mindset, the things that helped me transform from a small, shy kid from a little town of 300 people and uh, a failed athlete when I was in high school to accomplishing some phenomenal things as a, a ranger officer. And so that, that, that birthed, you know, Conquer Academy. And, but yeah, it wasn't always, so it birthed Conquer Academy. And one of my goals with Conquer Academy, like I said at the beginning of this, is to lead by example in all that I do so that it inspires others so I can give them real world, real time, actionable steps to take and, and not just share stories of the past, even though those stories are um, pretty profound. You know, we, like my Ranger platoon was recognized by the CIA director overseas. You know, we did some pretty cool stuff. It, uh, so that my background, I, I've, I channeled all of my focus, all of my energy into becoming the best infantry officer possible and accomplished some great things, served with some phenomenal people, some heroes, but I wasn't training mixed martial arts along that journey, right? I, I did go to a two-week school for combatives one time, uh, the Army's you know, grappling okay. and self-defense school. Yeah. 
I wrestled in high school, but you know, most of my physical training throughout the military was around, you know, running, strength training, circuit training, moving with a rucksack across terrain, you know, mountains, and then obstacle courses, uh, but really, really heavy in endurance type activities. Um, and then along the way, like you alluded to, I, I became somebody that liked to challenge themselves and like to grow because it becomes addicting, right? When you start pushing yourself and you start accomplishing yeah. and the, the limits that you place on yourself start moving and you're like, holy shit, man, I can do more. When that process happens, man, I, I, you know, when it happened to me, I wanted more of it. And so after I got out of the military, I found different ways to do that with myself. You know, I've, I've ran 103 miles at 10,000 feet. Yeah. That was a really fun one. You, you're familiar with that. And then this next chapter of my life has been in mixed martial arts. And it's all about personal growth. It's all about getting closer to an area that makes me a little more uncomfortable so that I can grow. So yeah, that's my background. Does you think that answers and provides clarity to the audience? Yeah. Yeah, I think that answers the question because the main the main concern I have right now too is that part of part of what we're trying to do here is we're trying to we're trying to kind of put a message into people's heads that if there is something we always use the MMA or the BJJ or whatever as an example, but if there's something that they want to do that they should go and do it essentially. And I know that one of the first things people are going to think hearing your story with mixed martial arts is they're going to be like, well, you know, he was a ranger. He's this retired military officer, whatever the terminology is for that. So it's like, it's not a hard transition for him, but I don't have that kind of background. I'm not conditioned for mixed martial arts or whatever. I don't, I don't want people having that in their heads and using that mm. as an excuse to yeah. think like that this was somehow easier for you to take this journey. Maybe it yeah. was in a way, but not by a lot. I've, you know, I, I mean, everybody has their own adversity and their own obstacles whenever they're pursuing a goal and all of them can appear to be true and reasons to not take action. They can all be justified into staying where you're currently at. You know, when I was an enlisted engineer in the army and I wanted to switch over to becoming an infantry officer, my first thoughts were that I wasn't good enough to be an infantry officer. I, you know, I had all these excuses. Hey man, you know, you're not, you don't have the education of most officers. You don't have the, the, the pedigree of most infantry officers, you know, so the same exact conversation that you're talking about happened to me way the fuck back then when I was like in my early twenties. And, you know, I know exactly how that can stop people. Cause I saw it happen to people around me that wanted to pursue the same path that I went on. So for example, I, I, I went, um, green to gold was the name of the program that I, I jumped into to switch from enlisted to infantry officer. It's a scholarship program. I had a lot of friends at the time, my early twenties that wanted to do the same thing, but guess what? They all came up with the excuses too. Oh, I can't because I have this. I can't because I have it. And I had my excuses too, man. I had some negative beliefs about myself. I thought I was dumb, not fit for college. I thought that officers on the other side of the military were superior to me. Like I had all those things and reasons not to take action. Um, yeah. But somehow, you know, I, I, I end up pushing myself. I said, fuck it, man, I'm going for it. And the reason, the reason why I went for it is because we had a lieutenant in my unit that died. And when he, he died over in Iraq, I, I had a you know, moment of like, dude, what the hell? Why, why are you, why would you not go for your dreams? You know, life is so fragile. Why would you not just go for it? Because I saw this dude in his early twenties die. And I'm like, I didn't see, I wasn't there when he died, but I'm saying right. I was in the unit when he died. Right. And this guy was 23 years old and I'm like, holy shit, life is fragile. 
So here I am overseas and I'm like getting, starting to get a little more confidence with myself. And I, I see the Army's Green to Gold program. People are talking about it. And by the way, when you're overseas, there's like, you have a lot of conversations about where you want to go, what you want to do next, right? Because you're just kind of sitting on idle hands if you're not out on a mission. And so I, I, the idea of Green to Gold popped up and I said, dude, I'm going to do it, man. And uh, that was triggered by his death. And so I went all in, all the way in. So yeah, if somebody, if somebody is going through that right now where you have a goal that you want to pursue and you're thinking of all the reasons why you, sh you, you can't be successful in it, you're just getting in your own way, simply, simply put, because you don't know until you actually try. And I would challenge everybody like I did back in my early 20s to get into the infantry and to switch over to as, a, as an officer. You got to get proof of concept. You got to or test the waters. You got to determine what's fact versus what's fiction. Can I actually go this route? Yes or no. And not 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 stop yourself with an imaginary scenario that you're using to justify. You know, and I did the same thing going into mixed martial arts. I had all the reasons against me to not start training, dude. My body was not like not conditioned for mixed martial arts training, dude. My first my first day in practice, I could barely get out of bed. And all we did was a, a one hour, like basic level jujitsu class. Like I'm talking <laughs> yeah. 20 minute warm up, 20 minutes of instruction, uh, 10 minutes of questions, and then like 10 minutes of actual rolling. And the next day I wake up and I like, feel like I got hit by a truck. I was like, Oh my God, I can't breathe. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that 10 minutes of questions really floored you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> but, but so, you know, going from that, okay. To not allowing that moment to stop me and continuing to push forward, your body adapts, you grow. And if you're committed, it, your body figures it out. And so what that turned into is you know, one, one, several weeks, I accumulated 65 miles of running 30 hours of training in one week. And that happened multiple weeks throughout last year. And that bled into this year leading into this cage fight. So the lesson from all that, man, is like a lot of people are getting in their own way. Like you just highlighted and they have all you, you, you have more reasons in your head not to do something yeah. than, than you have to do something, but you need to listen to the reasons why you should do it. Right. Right. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I think it's a framing thing. I think you can just, you can list all day reasons I should do this and reasons I should not do this. In my mind, the reasons not to do something are so much easier for people. You know, it's just something else we talk about all the time is taking the harder path. And that's exactly what it is in most situations is that it's harder to go and actually do the thing. And it's harder to actually be successful, but it's not it's not more complicated. It's just, you got to actually put in the work. You actually have to try to take these objections that you have for yourself and remove them. And they're all removable. You just have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. And I mean, not only that, but, um, you know, your, your mind can be pretty convincing. It can tell you all <laughs> the reasons to tell you that you're, you're too old. You're not fit. You're not a runner. You're not built for yeah. this, all the bullshit. And what you really want to get good at as an individual and leader and, and person that wants to accomplish your goals is just get used to finding out the actual information and not listening to any of that shit, right? Like just blocking it out and going and allowing the results to determine whether or not you can make it on that path. And, and then also, you know, when somebody's sitting back and wondering, should I do this next? What they're really trying to figure out is, can I be successful? They're trying to they're basically breaking it down in their head and they're like, Okay, if I do this, will I will this guarantee I get to the outcome that I'm looking for? Yeah. Okay, and here's the fucking truth, man, is that nothing's guaranteed and that that person is just scared of failure. Mm -hmm. 
you're, if you're, if you're like, I have a gut instinct or gut feeling that I want to do this path, mixed martial arts, the military, soft, uh, open up a business, whatever the fuck it is. And your gut saying, I want to do this. And then your logical brain comes in and saying, no, you can't X, Y, blah, 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 blah. Dude, what you're really looking for is you're looking for a guaranteed path to victory. And that shit does not exist. And so you're just, the reality is you're just scared of failure. So you got to get past that, man. There's no success without failure. You got to be ready to fail. Let's break down this fight because now I want to, I want to take this certain approach though. So last, I don't remember if it was last week, the week before, but pretty recently we talked about this fight and you were calling, I know you were also calling your shots back in like December, but I remember pretty recently you were calling your shots. You said you were going to win. I think you said on the podcast by submission in the first round, if I don't remember, but I remember you were calling first round at some point or another. I don't think I called submission in, I I think I, uh, I don't think I did on the podcast because December 20, yeah, December 21st, (laughs) I recorded a video, um, and I sent it to some people and I said that I was going to win my cage fight by TKO in either the first or second round. Yeah. And I said that December 1st, December 21st called the shot. Um, I had reasons why I believed that I was, that was going to be the, the prediction, and then what ended up happening is I won by TKO in the third round, which I would actually argue I won in the second round. It just that yeah. didn't get called. It didn't get called off in the second round. That guy was, um, in my opinion, he was knocked out in the second round. But I think on the podcast, I'll go back and listen. I said I wouldn't be surprised if I end up having to to submit him instead of TKO because that the TKO and striking is not my strength. I'm pretty sure I said something like that. Okay. But my prediction has been TKO in the first or second round. I was off with time. I was right by outcome. Okay, cool. So, yes, but I want to talk about this. So I want to talk about this first round, especially. And also, just for context, I didn't even know what TKO meant until I Googled it yesterday. So, <laughs> so there we go. We have that, too. So when I'm trying to remember this stuff, I'm going to be wrong. But anyway, first round did not go as planned. I was in a room with a bunch of Conquer Academy, like a virtual room with a bunch of Conquer Academy people. There were people all over the place watching you in this fight. And we were all kind of a little scared after that first round. You want to explain from firsthand what was going on? Yeah. um, So the end result, everyone listening, was that I did. I I won by TKO, but it didn't start out that way, man. (laughs) It started out a little bit rough, okay? Um, And I'll actually, I I want to take a second and read a write-up that my brother did. My brother summarized the whole thing and texted it over to my mom. And I thought it was a really cool little write-up. And I'll read it, you know. Just exactly like he said. So he said, Jeremiah Sullivan, 34, versus Todd Debato, 24, was a match of great contrast. He said, from the moment the gloves touched, it was apparent these men played with hands built from different decks. Debato, a decade junior to Sullivan, adorned a gratuitous smile during introduction. Debato's smile was a great contrast to the stoic, calm focus that possessed Sullivan's. Round one began with Devado and, and Solvin touching gloves, displaying for the eager spectators the massive reach advantage at play. Devado's six-foot frame had him towering over Jeremiah's five-foot, eight-inch opponent, making even the common commenter to pause and acknowledge this could spell trouble for Solvin. By the way, guys, there's um, this was all through text message, so if you hear me stumble a little bit, just understand it was sent through text. <laughs> all right. However, okay, so we got tall, Debato, Jeremiah, a little short and stockier. 
Dubato smiling, Jeremiah stoic. And then round one proceeded with explosive energy as the opponents traded blows, testing each other out in a flurry of strikes and maneuvers. Okay. Dubato struck with speed and purpose at my at Solvin's torso and face, launching big right hooks at Solvin, who seemed to always move out of the way just in time. Then the fight eventually moved to the ground as Dubato countered Solvin's double leg takedown, leading to an inverted triangle. This is where I got stuck. This is where it was not looking good. Okay. The lockup, yeah, Solvin found himself in a dire situation as opponent's long limbs had his neck and arms completely immobilized, leaving him exposed for an imminent submission. Yeah, dude, I was down there and like the things were getting dark. All right. As the clock wore down, the final moments of the round one, the tension in the audience was palpable. Exhibiting great endurance and patience from his strong wrestling background, Solvin withstood Dubato's best efforts to solidify a tap out. As the ref separated the two at the end of the round, uh, sending Dubato away, disappointed as he was looking to end it early, Solvin moved to his corner, red face from the choke and bleeding from an unknown wound. He did. He caught me. Uh, Dubato caught me on the top of the head with a, mm. with a punch and it cracked my head open. I was bleeding all over. Round two brought the fighters together again with Dubato seemingly to have seemingly tired and Solvin having recovered remarkably quick from his near defeat. Round two proceeded with round one energy until Solvin connected with an inner leg kick, setting Dubato off balance enough to unleash an absolute blizzard of heavy punches to the right side of his face. Each blow in the combo picked up tempo and impact until Dubato was driven forcefully against the cage with Solvin not letting up. The bell rang and Dubato exhaustedly keeping Solvin at bay from his back and Solvin trying to drop a few more hammers before the conclusion. Then round three had the greatest turn of momentum. As Solvin jogging met his shuffling Debato on his, his side of the cage, ready to claim his wounded prey, Debato exhausted and panting through a partial kick only to miss and spin. Presented with the opportunity, Solvin landed a jab to Debato's torso, propelling him against the cage and to the ground, being chased with an absolute stampede of heavy fists from Solvin. With each strike, Dubato's hands made it less and less high to block until they did not come up at all, and the referee was forced to end the fight in Solvin's favor. The final view of the fight displayed a Solvin, hands both raised up in victory, but most importantly, his chest unwavering as his mind-boggling conditioning had him already recovered from such a chaotic and explosive physical endeavor. On the picture of a calm, not tired, victorious Solvin, Graced social media, one commentator claimed, of course he isn't even tired. That man hikes mountains in his sleep, which is the most accurate thing I have ever heard someone say about Jeremiah Sullivan. <laughs> Signed, my brother, Jarrett. So <laughs> that was his write-up. I thought it was pretty good. That's awesome. What'd you think of that? I think it's pretty good too. Um, I that Okay, so here's something else that was just uncovered in that thing that I know a lot of people are curious about and didn't know is first of all, age, right? I, I did not know this guy was 10 years younger than you, but I also is, are you older, air quotes for people listening to the podcast to be doing something like this? Like, was that something that caught people's attention or anything like, oh, Jeremiah, first fight, 34 years old. Okay, let's see how this goes. Yeah, so, you know, being in your 20s, man, your body heals quick. It's like the right age to become a great fighter, right? 
Um, being in your 30s, you know, the, it's an easy story to tell yourself that, hey, I'm, I'm a little too old for this, man. I'm getting close to 40, right? I'm too old. And so I think a lot of people talk themselves out of a lot of things in life because they say I'm too old. I get a lot of questions on social media from people that want to join the military. And they're like, and by the way, guys, do, stop fucking, do not send me recruiting, uh, like recruiter <laughs> questions through DM and in my in Instagram. Just, just don't fucking do it, please. I'm not a recruiter. I, I don't, I don't answer <laughs> those questions, but I get people that hit me up and they're like, Hey, do you think I'm too old to join the 75th Ranger Regiment to be a Ranger? And my answer, dude, is always no, man. Yeah. It's all, it's all, it's just a matter of belief. Like go and do it. You're just scared of failing. Like yeah. go and find out. Yeah. So to answer your question, yeah, I'm a little bit older for it. Um, the odds are stacked against me in that, you know, in that regard. And, um, yeah, so to answer your question, yeah, that was that easy. Was <laughs> yeah, supposedly, right? Well, uh, you know, here I am. I'm not a guy that buys into that shit. I'm not going to let myself talk myself out of it. And I would encourage everybody else too to do the same exact thing, man. Just like, yeah. listen to that shit. I, I, I That goes back to what we were saying before, right? I feel like that's one of those easiest, lowest hanging fruit to grab when you're looking to not do something is use your age, especially if you are up in age. Imagine if like Tom Brady was like that. Imagine if Tom Brady was like dead set in his mind that 38 is too old to be playing football, how much different his life would be. Yeah, and here's the main point that you're driving home is what's your excuse? <laughs> yeah. What's your excuse that for not doing something right now? And, and realize that it's bullshit. Realize that it's fucking bullshit, right? It doesn't matter if it's age or whatever. Oh, it's just all you're, all you're doing, it, 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 you know, if you're, if you're 60 years old and you want to get into running and working out, guess what? Go do it, man. Your body's going to figure it out. Okay. Um, had the same conversation with my mom recently. She was like, do you think that I'm, um, you know, I'm, she's starting to get her fitness going. She looks, she's looking great, man. She dropped some weight. She's looking fit. Um, she's doing the Versa climber. Okay. And, um, she was, she's worked, she's got a friend that's going to come over and work out with her. And they're like, Hey, we're a little bit older. How much do you think is too much? For working out. And I told my mom, I said, mom, understand the difference between being sore and being injured and understand your body. Just like when you get sick, it's going to heal. It's going to figure it out with working out, stay injury free. Don't be afraid to work out when you're sore, but don't, and then, but don't hold it, hold you back. Don't let that idea hold you back. And she said, well, is it really going to matter? Is working out right now on this Versa climber really going to matter? Am I going to get the benefits? And is it going to matter when in another 10 years when I'm in my seventies? So why, what's the point if, if in 10 years, I'm going to, I'm going to lose all these gains. And I, that's what so she said pretty much. Right. And I was like, mom, what if I had, if I said with that logic, when I'm 14 years old, I shouldn't go train at all anyways. Right. Cause I'm eventually going to die. And <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, so why not make the most out of today? And even if you can only work out for one day, it's worth it. Right. Yeah. Like why allow that, allow that to hold you back. So a little tangent there, but, um, I think you're right with a lot of, a lot of people, Get in their own way when they mm -hmm. want to pursue a goal. And it's like, get out of your own way. Stop making excuses. Uh, there's there's the inverse to that too, though. There are people that want to wait until later to do something and they think that that's going to work too. And I don't like when people do that either. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm but, trying to go with this. The, the conditions are never perfect, okay? And yeah. I think this is the point that we're hammering home is if you want to pursue a goal and you have a path in front of you that's uncertain, it's unknown, the odds are against you, which is most of the time, yeah. okay? You, like remove the excuses and give yourself, bet on yourself, man. Take a chance. G give yourself a fucking chance and go for it. Right. 
Can you, you think know? of can you think of anything like that that pertains to this fight? Like I don't know what the logistical process was, like when the date for this fight was set or whatever, or if there's a point where you had to like sign up and say like yes, I want to do a cage fight. I'm guessing you had to do that at some point. I'm guessing they weren't just like hey, guess what you're doing on the hmm. 30th of January. It almost, <laughs> okay. happened, it almost happened like that. But I'm well, saying when yeah, you get into when you get into MMA something like that like can you think of any particular example in your head of why it was the wrong time for you to do it or any of those obstacles that you did move out of the way you were just like well I thought it was a terrible idea because x but I said fuck x I mean the, the countless reasons why <laughs> I'm I'm you know all the re what were all my reasons why I should not pursue MMA why I should not cage fight uh I'm a successful business owner I have other priorities Okay. I'm a, I'm a husband. I need to dedicate time to my family. I'm older. I'm in my thirties. What's the longevity of this, of this path in mixed martial arts? Um, it, it, this is going to distract me away from my other things in life. Um, I have a military athlete background. I don't have a mixed martial arts background. Um, I'm, I mean, countless the dude, countless on, yeah. the list goes on. It's the, it, it, and then I'm not only that, but I had, when I told people I was doing it, when I was told people I was training mixed martial arts, not, not this is before I even said the cage fight. Guess what happened, man? They right. they came in with the same excuses that I was telling myself. Okay, they would say, "Don't you think you're too old to do this? Isn't Don't you think something when people start coming up with excuses for you?" Yeah, well, it's their it's the, they're thinking the same insecure thoughts that you are, and and yeah. and then they're seeing you confront those thoughts, and it makes them shocked and like holy shit he's actually going to move forward with this even though <laughs> it's clear that the odds are against him and it blows them away right and so I, a lot of people have a hard time getting past that initial phase of progressing towards their goal they can't handle the criticism that comes along with it hey man like and people just yeah. you know scrutinizing you and honestly most of the time they're just a little bit confused because you've changed directions and you're doing something different most of the time i think a lot of people aren't even criticizing they're just asking some questions yeah. because they don't understand. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely too. And that, to me, that's kind of a, how you know you're on the right path type of thing. Like if people are not entirely up with what you're trying to do, if they're not on the exact same page as you, that just tells you that you stand out a little bit. Yeah. You're doing something to go against the grain. That's what makes a story, right? Like I think what for, so for a lot of the people that I know that don't know you, or don't know you personally, they don't work in Conquer Academy or anything, they're like second and third degree connections. I think almost 100% of people that I talked to in that boat thought that you were going to lose this fight. But I think that's what makes it such a better story. You yeah. know, I think if everybody was so confident that you were just going to beat the absolute crap out of this guy, then nobody would have cared to watch the fight. Nobody would care about the results of the fight. It is that underdog nonsense that we're all drawn yeah. to for some reason yeah and here's the facts about the actual fight is that the guy was uh he's younger than me he's in better shape than me uh no excuse me correction he's not in better endurance shape than me he's better martial arts shape because he's he's a better grappler okay technically he's better than me he's a higher belt than me um he's competed more than me um i mean the the the, the list just keeps <laughs> going on man he's he's he has a wrestling background but he's closer to that point in his life in time where right. he used to, he used to wrestle. It's like fresher. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think that, um, that, uh, you know, a lot of people like my, my friends, my family, everybody was like thinking this isn't, this isn't like, 
he doesn't have the odds uh, for him in this. His the odds are against him in this fight, and that made everybody start to lean in. And um, that's that was the exciting part about it. it was kind of proving others wrong for me, and that's where I got a lot of enjoyment out of it as well. You know, the takeaway there, I think, for somebody listening, you know, I want to hammer on the excuses thing. What's your excuse? Like, if I went out there and did this and went in the cage with somebody, where literally this dude's trying to rip my head off, okay, um, and you're like. Oh, I don't want to start my side hustle. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? What's your excuse? Come on. Come on. Really? You don't want to start because why? You're not going to be a millionaire overnight. Like, it's going to take some time. What's your excuse? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then to your last, you know, to add to that, to your point about people being confused and when you do choose a new path and criticizing you and not really understanding, you know, I think everybody should have a little bit more understanding for those type of people. You know, this, there's this lady, my, my wife or my wife, <laughs> my mom, <laughs> weird. No, my mom was, my mom was, yeah, my mom was sharing my, uh, a picture of me from the fight on social media on Facebook. Yeah. And one of this lady that kind of knows our family was like, she jumped in and started commenting. She's like, I thought you said that he was a business owner. And my, my mom was like, he is a business owner. She's like, well, and I thought you said that he was in the military. And she was like, well, he was in the military. And she was just blown away that somebody could do multiple things. It just didn't comprehend in her head. And my mom was just like, she took a little bit of offense to it at first, but then she realized that, again, the lady was just confused. And she had to educate that, listen, you know, just because you live in this small little world where you only do one little simple thing, there's people out there that are doing more than one thing and they're trying to do them all very, very well. And you can have, she's trying to explain this and, and she just let the lady just have her moment and stop trying to explain it to her because some people don't, can't comprehend anything outside of their little scope of the world, right? So you do things differently and they're going to raise questions. Don't take offense to that. Yeah. Just, just educate them and allow them to either grow with you or get the hell out of the way. Yeah, I was going to say, don't let that influence you, because for some reason, sometimes those Facebook commenter people can be super influential for I don't know what reason. And then you do you do naturally get in your own head and you're starting to think like, oh, is this person right? You know, are they are they onto something like should I not be trying to do all these things? And then you're you're kind of in backpedaling mode yeah. instead of proactive mode. So, don't dude, yeah, no, don't and, and cut them out, man. You're going to have. When you choose to grow and improve, pursue a new path, start a business, change your career, people are going to fucking criticize you, man. It's just going to happen. You're going to see it from your your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your kids. And like it's your responsibility as the person that wants to succeed, not to take not to react to that stuff, to stay disciplined to your path because if you can't get past that criticism, how the hell are you going to make it later on? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't deserve to win if you can't get past that first barrier, yeah. but listen, you do deserve to win. So just make, just block them out. Okay. Get more deaf. <laughs> Let's just yeah. get deaf, man. Yeah, All right. Like hearing. Now I would, I would add a caveat to that because there are times when you should listen to criticism you, or you should listen to what other people are saying. Maybe not take all of it, but also because a huge part of it comes into like, who is the person telling you to do that you know when it's some person on your facebook ads telling you about whether or not you should be fighting it's like don't listen to them They're like what have they done now if, you know if mike chandler came up to you and told you the reasons or whatever he thought about this fight like there's more reason to listen to him 
You yeah. know, he knows I, what he's talking about. <laughs> and, I, and I would still find a way to, to take his comments and let it fuel me towards the direction I want to go. That's what I yeah. would do. That's the best thing to do. You know, like it's, it's to turn it, make it work for you, make it serve you, make those comments serve you and push you forward versus making you go the other direction. Yeah, man. So that was the fight. Um, the big points, I think, like I said, the excuses, we got to cut those out of life. Uh, you got to cut those out of your life. Um, you need to challenge the narrative. You're telling yourself the story and, um, you know, give yourself a chance, um, and not, not allow the fear of failure to, to hold you back. Um, yeah. I did, I did do a, an Instagram live yesterday and a lot of people were asking me questions about like, I'm just going to toss this out there and then you can see if any of these are something that you want to, you want to touch on. But the things that people were most interested in, okay. After the fight, it was, how did I deal with my nerves? Mm -hmm. Okay. How did, uh, what was fight camp? Like, what were the ups and downs like of fight camp? Am I going to fight again? That, I was just um, going to ask that one myself i know a lot of people are asking that they why did you do this you didn't have to do this that was a question and then somebody asked me how do you know mike chandler <laughs> <laughs> so he asked me that i was like oh it's a friend of mine for a couple of years now and then what was my strategy going into the fight and why was the first round so rough they asked me that too yeah, yeah. um so which one of those stood out that you want me to hit on i want to hit on i want to hit on are you going to do another fight but I also want to add a, a, a question before that is, how did you enjoy this fight? Like, was it everything you expected? Did you get the kick out of it you thought you would? Or did you get in there and you're like, oh, this kind of sucks? Yeah, there were some things that I expected that happened and some things that uh, I was not expecting that happened. Okay. Um, the first thing was that there was a lot of adrenaline with it. Okay. Before, during, and after a lot like going out on a mission and going after a bad guy. There was some adrenaline. The difference with the fight was that there was a big adrenaline up, like a spike up and a spike down versus a mission was kind of like a steady climb up and then some rocky moments. And then it kind of flatlined and then came down. It was kind of a steady movement, right? Versus a spike yeah. up and down. So I was, I was expecting to be nervous before the fight. I was, I was also expecting to be more nervous inside the cage, but I wasn't. That was something that caught me off guard. I was actually calm inside the cage. And um, I sh I, I, on the drive out there, my wife and I were driving together. It was a two and a half hour drive. And I could feel the nerves, right? I'm kind of like things are getting real. I'm thinking through it. I'm thinking through There's a lot of time thinking about the end result, the pressure, all the people watching. Um, and something that I did to help out with all that is I brought a book that I have of affirmations. Yeah. Um, and I had my wife read those affirmations to me inside the car. I was like, Hey, would you mind reading these out loud? And, um, so she was going through them and as she's saying them, I was just co-signing every single one. I was like, that's right. That's right. Like everything that happens happens by divine right. I'm like, oh, that's right. Um, you know, everything that happens is, is destined to be, that's right. You know, everything that, you know, greatness is in you, all these different great things. Okay. And so that, that helped when the things and anxiety got a little bit worse that those new thoughts helped me feel a little bit more at peace. Um, and then when I got to the, to the fight itself, I was a little bit nervous. Okay. But I was also excited because nervousness for me means I'm at my most powerful. Okay. It's not like I'm scared to go. It's like, okay, I can feel my body tensing up. This is good. So I was trying to find this like good balance between staying switched on and nervous and not getting too high up to where I, I was going to overexert myself and exhaust myself or pre fatigue while also not coming 
too relaxed and shutting off mentally and being kind of in sleeper mode, right? That's a day. That's a weird. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was this constant battle of trying to find that sweet spot. And what I noticed was when I got there is I went out and I tested the cage out, you know, and bounced around. And I, got, as soon as I got in there, man, I felt, I felt at peace. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, man, this feels good. So some things that happened that were unexpected, uh, was that I wasn't expecting, um, I mean, I guess I was expecting nervousness, but I wasn't expecting myself to be as calm as I was inside the cage when I got in there. Also, I was, I'm sorry. I find that really interesting. Actually, I'm the same way for some reason. Any, I'm trying to think back over my life too, of like what my most nervous moments have been. And for some reason it is always when I get in the cage, I've never done a cage fight, but you know, when I'm actually, I'll get so nervous about a thing. And then when I'm actually there and it's time to perform, the nerves just go away. And I have no idea why. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, that nervousness energy turns into productive action, I think, you know, and it gives it somewhere to go. And what, you know, what I ended up, what it did for me is it all that nervousness turned into focus. Yeah. You know, and I got laser focused. Like if you watch me come into the cage, then my stare down with that dude was, I, it was like, if you see me, it's like, I didn't see any, there, nothing else existed. It was just me and him in there. And I felt that I felt that inside. And so, yeah, there were some unexpected things that happened. There were some expected things. Um, I was expecting to come out a little bit stronger for the first round. The plan, the plan for me was come out first round, feel him out, see where, see where the openings are, kind of be more, a little more relaxed and soften up his legs, take him down against the cage and then, and then knock him out. But that the first casualty of war is always the plan, right? (laughs) I go out there. And like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan till they get hit in the mouth. He hit me. And then next thing you know, it's a brawl and I'm fighting for my life, trying not to get submitted in round one. And I'm thinking, holy shit, everybody's watching. What if this ends in round one? That's embarrassing. Um, Was that actually going through your head? Yeah. Multiple times at the time. Yeah. There was two times there or three times. There was the arm bar that he pulled on me. Okay. Where it was really close. And I was like, this guy's going to break my, my arm. And I'm like, either I have to tap or I have to let him break my arm. And I said, okay, well, I'm not going to tap. So he's going to have to break my arm. And I'm just going to deal with that later because I'm not going to go out with tapping. It's just, I just don't want to do that today. Even though I think there is a time to tap. If you got other fights coming up, if like a pro fighter, you might want to save it, right? You might be like, hey, man, but <laughs> yeah. live to fight another day, right? Like you have to be able to do that from time to time, I think. Mm-hmm. But this for me, I was, that wasn't an option. So I said, all right, let me gain some inches. Let me just focus on getting a little bit inches, get my arms out of there, wiggle around a little bit. Next thing you know, I created a little space, hit him in the face. He, he let go, he lets go of the arm. But in that moment, I was like, shit, dude, this is gonna be embarrassing. If I have to tap or quit or my arm gets broken, and I lose in this first round. And then this, the other times were the reverse uh, triangle. And um, there was two types of triangles he threw on me. But both of those, I was literally towards the last you know, 20 seconds of the first round. The world was getting pretty dark around me. I was being submitted, man. Like it, he just, his legs were so tight around my neck that I heard, I heard the noises change. Everything was getting super dark. I knew the clock was getting close. I was fighting it, trying to, trying to create space. And as the buzzer went off, I remember just like kind of doing the sleepy face and then standing <laughs> up like, holy shit, that was close. Right. Yeah. But in that moment, I thought the same thing. I'm like, dude, this is going to be embarrassing as hell. If I get submitted in the last 20 seconds of the first round, don't, don't submit, don't submit, don't black out. And, uh, just made it a, a game of staying mentally tough and creating a little bit of space where I could, which is a great lesson for success and winning is like when you're down and you have some adversity, find the inches, 
right? Get the inches, get the little space in there, wiggle around a little bit, start putting up a fight. Next thing you know, the round's over and you can breathe. And after that first round, it was like, okay, now it's game on. Now it's my world. And my coaches were like, one of them, Justin Mercado, who's been training me since the beginning. He said, he said, this is, this is your fight now. He's tired. Take him to deep waters. Okay. And deep waters is like language that means take him out to the ocean and fucking drown his ass. Yeah. Uh, which for us, it's, Hey, I got great cardio, press the fight, suffocate him, exhaust him and then finish him. So yeah, there was several moments like that, but, uh, I just, I, like I said, I made it about a game of inches and then yeah. you asked another question. What was the other one you asked? I did. I forget how we got on that tangent though. Well, you're asking me about things that I expected. Oh, if, expect, if you, if you and then what was in my mind? That. Yeah. Yep. yep. And then the other thing you asked me was, uh, are you going to fight again? That's where this I, originally yep. started. Yeah. Yeah. Am I going to fight again? Um, and I think this will be a good lesson for people with their goals too is I committed to not committing fully until I went through this cage fight. Okay. I had, I had a, I had a feeling that I was going to keep fighting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Before I did the cage fight, but I didn't say, yes, I'm going to make this, I'm going to commit to this long term. Right. Those words didn't come out of my mouth. I said, I want to do this cage fight. I want to get in there. I want to go through it. I want to experience it. And then after that cage fight, I'll decide what's next. And that helped me stay present. It, it put a short-term outcome on the table where I, I knew that if I checked that block, I had the flexibility to make the next decision. I wasn't stuck thinking about, dude, how are you going to do this for 10, 15 years? Right. And I haven't really gotten started yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a good thing to do is put that little like milestone up there. And so the short answer is that, yes, I'm going to fight again. And uh, it's just a matter of time. I'm going I'm to heal up. I'm going to go start training and we'll get another one on the deck. We're going to get it fighting. Cool. Yeah. Going to keep doing it. I'm liking it. It challenges me. It pushes me. Uh, it's a great, a great way to lead by example and conquer Academy. And it's really everything that I teach in its most real time physical form that people can learn from and see that um, I'm not just some fucking asshole that is sharing yeah. stories from 20 years ago and calling himself a guru that I'm, I'm actually doing this stuff real time, you know? Um, yeah. So, you know, to be honest, like my old military stuff, dude, it did some really phenomenal things, right? I, I'm a humble guy. I, I tend not to even talk about that stuff a lot, but I could easily leverage that every single day for the rest of my life yeah. and build a whole, and it's, but that's not what I want to do. I want to, I want to be a guy that is doing and is not talking. And so that's what yeah. this is about. Yeah. We did a whole episode about that in and of itself. We did. We did. Listen to now. Well, dude, um, anything else before we close out? I don't think so. No, I think we hit all our bases that we need to in this episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, guys, if you're, you know, stay engaged with me on Instagram, I'm going to keep releasing content on there about lessons learned from the fight so that others can grow and others can win. I will say a couple things. I'm going to say how I'm going to celebrate. Okay. How I'm going to celebrate this. And then I'm also going to say kind of a big takeaway. The big takeaway is that if you plan and prepare, you can expect to win. That's the truth. If you plan, and prepare, emphasis on preparation, you can expect to win. Okay, Zig Ziglar said that. And it's something that I live by. And a lot of people don't realize that I've been training. I was in a fight camp for this fight for, you know, eight weeks or whatever. But the reality is I've been in a fight camp for over a year. I've been preparing for this fight for over a fucking year, like doing, you know, four to five, sometimes six hours of training in one day. 
across the last year. Okay. And so it didn't come easy, but with the right preparation, you can, you can succeed. So if you want to succeed, don't just jump into whatever endeavor that you have and say, all right, you know, I'm going to go do this cage fight, zero preparation. That's not where you win. You, you win with the prep. Okay. So get the odds in your favor, walk into that, your next cage fight with the odds stacked with you, not against you. Okay. Get the odds in your favor. Cool. So that's what I just want to hit on with the, the end note there is that if you plan and prepare, you can expect to win. Focus on one of those planning a little bit. Preparation a lot. Okay. Preparation should be the most, the, where you should put most of your time and your most of your focus. All right. And then I'm going to, I'm going to close up with how I'm going to celebrate. Um, guys, I'm a big ice cream eater. All right. I love ice cream. Okay. I know people see me on social media, like running around being fit, like thinking, Hey, this guy's <laughs> like, he fuck all he eats is lettuce and like, I don't know, beans every single day or some sh- like, <laughs> yes. He hasn't touched a carb in six years, right? Like that's the kind of like stereotypical stuff I get. But the truth of the matter is that uh, um, I do like I do like ice cream from time to time, and um, so I'm going to spend a little bit of time this week splurging, having some ice cream, okay, after the fight, and then it's back to it's back to training, back to prep, and back to the next one, back to work, okay. So uh, I just want to share that with everybody so that you guys know I am human, and if you see me around, you're like, <laughs> hey man. How was that ice cream? I'm going to tell you it was awesome. I'm going to tell you it was good. All right, Justin, anything else, man? Nope. All right, bro. Appreciate the, um, appreciate the talk. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, Alexander the Great is an important icon to me personally. My fight name is Jeremiah the Great Solvin. And the reason why is because, you know, Alexander was undefeated in, on the field of battle. Okay. He, he conquered the known world. Before the dude was, by the time he was 30, he did it in his 20s, man. Like, what were we doing in our 20s? Like, this guy was conquering the world and he was undefeated. Phenomenal. But really what he had the ability to do, he had the ability to confront fear. And just like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, Alexander believed that if you yourself conquer fear, you're made free. And if you don't, then what's going to happen is you're going to suffer until you die or you're going to suffer until you have the courage to defeat it, to defeat the fear. So you choose which one. I want to leave you with that message. And until next time, be the leader. I need some motivation. motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Trying to myself and I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. I am a queen. I am more than the people can see. I am strong when I'm needing to be. Vulnerability's nothing to me. You can try, but I'm unshakable. My successes is never debatable. I'm coming and I'm so interchangeable. Here's to you and all that you are capable. You gotta go hard, better get it. You gotta go.